Uh, if you don't have your Bible um, already open up there, let's go ahead and go uh, to Galatians chapter uh, 6. Uh, our title for the morning uh, is going to be called The Weight of Doing Good. The Weight of Doing Good. Not just like we're waiting for something, but like, like weight. Because we talk about already the, the weight of bearing Burdens. When I think about weights, I can't help but think about uh, the weight room. Uh, and when I, pl- I was in high school, I played uh, high school football. And uh, we played during season, we played games, but in off season, we were always in the gym lifting. Uh, and we would have competitions and we had time where we would test ourselves to see how much we could lift or bench press or squat. And a bunch of young men and all the testosterone, we fueled off of that, of how much we could push up. Like we even got rewarded shirts based upon our performance. And so, like, if you were able, were able to lift a lot of weight, you had, like, a, like, a, like the general shirt. If you weren't so much into the weight, couldn't lift, you, know, you had, a, like, a captain shirt. And then there was those that didn't even get a shirt, right? So they just wore their gray, their gray tees. And so there was this tendency uh, within the program uh, to look down on others based upon how much they could lift. There was this pride Uh, There was this conceit, and in that season, it was super competitive. Aaron, why do we open up talking about a weight room and off-season? Because that's exactly what's going on here in the Galatian church, is they're looking around saying, hey, oh, you haven't been circumcised? Oh, man, you ain't really a Christian. Oh, you have the Spirit, but you're not really, like, walking the Spirit like I am or have the gifts that the Spirit has gifted in me. I'm actually, like, a little bit better than you and more the Spirit than you. And no longer is the body united. They're actually divided. And so there's value in setting goals. There's value in in, in pursuing uh, goals and, and, and achieving these things. But ultimately, if we pursue life with the self-reliance or the self-confidence, it's going to lead to a self-righteousness and a whole lot of self that will weigh us down and it will crush us. But Jesus, he is our burden lifter because he himself was crushed. He himself was broken to make us whole. And so first and foremost, the weight of doing good, we must fix our eyes on Jesus who is the great burden lifter. Like that, because, of, because that is true, our first point this morning is this, is that because of this, we bear the burden of restoring others. Galatians chapter six, verse one, Paul writes, brothers, Brothers, brothers and sisters, my, my family, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, but keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. That word restore right there uh, in, in, your, in your Bibles, it means to, to repair or to set a fractured or dislocated bone. For those that have had a broken bone in your childhood or even recently, you know that you get a cast. And when you get that cast, you, you put that on for a while and, and, and you know, it gets, it gets kind of gross down underneath there. And then you had that and then it gets taken off and you go through rehab. Like there's this process of restoration that Paul is putting before us. It also means to mend that which is broken. It's the same word, restore that. It's the same word that is in uh, the gospel of Matthew chapter four, when the disciples are mending their nets. So I have a picture I want to put before you. It's, a, it's actually a fishing net, in case we haven't seen one of those. Uh, but if you know anything about a fishing net, so I've done some research this past week on 
like some fishing now. I never thought I'd be looking so much into fishing. Not much of a fishing guy. Uh, but here we got like this net here. And then what the mending would do is it would take the holes, the brokenness apart of this net, and it would mend it together. And it's detailed work. It's, it's tedious work to go through all of that net to find the hole. I don't even know if you guys can even see the hole that's up there, but there's this, this hole that, that it can easily go undetected. And so when Jesus calls his disciples, he says, hey, come and follow me. John and James are with their father Zebedee and they're mending their nets. He's painting this picture. If you want restoration, if you want fullness, if you want to be made complete, follow me. I am the mender. I am the restorer that will mend you up and make you whole in how you were designed to be. But Paul says, keep watch. Because it's tedious work. It takes time to do some soul work and to, to do some soul rest because we are so easily busy people. As we've already experienced this morning, he invites us to slow down and go through the, the net of our soul and to mend that which is broken, which we can't do our, on our own. That's why we've been given the spirit. So church, let me ask you, where do you need to drop in order to follow Jesus, to restore that which is broken in you. Because the disciples had to drop their nets. They had to lose something in order to follow Jesus. Jesus may have your Sunday, but does he have your Friday? Does he have your Saturday? Does he have your evenings? Does he have access to your marriage or how you talk to your kids or what you spend your time doing on your phone or what you watch or what you spend your money on? Does he have access to your eating or your drinking to all parts of our lives? Does he have full access to those? Because whatever part of our soul that is separated from God's word and his spirit, it will be reeking of death. And the longer we dismiss it or attempt to ignore it or push it down, it will be a matter of time till that stench reaches the surface. This is why Paul says this is when people are caught, caught in their sin. And people are caught in their sin is because they've been spending hours and days and months and years and maybe even decades pushing it down or pushing and neglecting what our soul is crying out for, which is nourishment in Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, if, if anyone wants to follow after me, must deny himself, take up his cross and come chase after me. Because if, if anyone's gonna bear fruit, he must abide in me. For apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Because any part of our soul that is not being nourished by the word or nourished by the restoring work of Jesus is left isolated and it's left broken. And so as we think through, we think through this net, that's why Paul says in verse seven, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And that word corruption, it, 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 really, it literally means to decay. It conveys this idea of an idea of a corpse in the process of decomposition. And if you know anything about death, death stinks, literally. And Paul is saying if we continue to indulge the works of the flesh, the Galatians 5, the deeds of the flesh that was talked about last week, if we continue to entertain those things, we move, we're moving deeper and deeper into the pit of depravity. And then, when, then we can be certain that the harvest will be corruption. It's this picture of a farmer throwing seed and if it's deeds of the flesh, what will be reaped or harvested will be corruption. 
It will stink. It will be decaying. If you don't see me on a Sunday morning, usually I, I, I'm always wearing an Astros hat. I always, like, that's like the first thing. I said, when I'm leaving out the door, I gotta have my hat on. And uh, I've been asked a lot of questions with my Astros hat on. Uh, I've been wearing it for, I don't know, over a decade now. Uh, but I always get a new hat, which my wife makes fun of me because she's like, you just buy the same hat every time. Because I don't wanna represent another team. But now that I'm representing the Astros, it's a little different in this season. I'm asked questions, and when they see my hat, the first question they ask me is, hey, what, what do you think? What do you, what do you think of the Strohs lately? And my, my response is always this, it stinks. It stinks. Because something that was undetected, something that was tolerated, this sign stealing that wasn't that big of a deal, that everybody else is doing it. Because of deception, this decay continued to linger and then now all, all of a sudden the stink is out. I was watching an interview uh, with AJ Hinch, I don't know, back in early in this month, it was taken and uh, he, they're asking the question like, why didn't you do anything about it? And all he could say was be apologetic and say, I take full responsibility. He said something that stood out to me, I think it's a good lesson for all of us. He said, leadership is not only preaching values, but leadership is also in what you tolerate. As we lead ourselves, as we follow Jesus, what are we tolerating in our lives that doesn't belong to him? What is weighing you down that doesn't belong there to your soul and would you give it over to him? Because church, we, we are a team. We are the spiritual, as Paul says. We are ordinary people empowered by an extraordinary spirit linked together with the love for Jesus and the love for others. If we do not bear the burden of confronting the sin in one another with a lot of gentleness and a whole lot of humility, and yet we remain silent, we are no longer, no longer loving others the Bible says that we're actually hating others. Proverbs 27 will say that better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That when we see something in our, in our brother or our sister and we just extend kisses or we extend affirmation or we remain silent, the Bible says that that is actually hate. That's hateful towards the other person and it's rooted in a whole lot of fear. Fear and what the other person is thinking. But because we are accepted in Jesus, and because he himself displayed humility, and because he did that, we are accepted and approved by him. And because that's true, we can go to a brother and sister, not having it all together, but with kindness. Because isn't that what Jesus extended to us? Kindness that leads towards a repentance, that we show humility and gentleness. We literally lower ourselves so the spirit can do his work. In 2 Timothy chapter two, Paul says to, to confront others with gentleness in hopes that God may bring repentance. That's not up to us. It's ultimately up to the spirit to be working in other people. But we do that in a whole lot of gentleness and humility. This total, this, 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 this weight uh, that we are to carry, the weight of doing good is not only the burden of restoring others, but also it's bearing the burden of others. Look at verse two, Paul commands us. This is an imperative, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This law of Christ, what, like Paul says in Galatians 5, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as 
yourself. Jesus was also asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all that you got, everything that's inside you, to love him and also to love your neighbor. So the law of Christ, what, what is expected out of us to love God, to love people, and to bear another's burdens freely and truly. And so we make it our aim to detect other people's burdens and make it lighter for them and not heavier for them. Church, let me ask you a question. Who in your life are you heaping burdens on and not making it lighter for them? What will it look like this week to think practically and how to apply this text of how can I ease the burden, not make it harder or heavier, but actually make it lighter? This, this word for burden, it, it, it paints a picture of a heavy weight or stone that someone is required to carry for a long distance. Someone carrying a stone for a long distance. Uh, apparently, I've been reminiscing about my past, like my high school experience, because when I thought about this burden or this stone, I thought about a, a football sled. And I was talking about this this past week. There were some individuals who didn't know what a football sled was. And so I, I was like, I gotta get a picture of it so we all know what exactly I'm talking about. I had a, a guy named Coach Bruno in high school. And a, a guy named Coach Bruno, he's gonna be big because his name is Bruno. And he was, a, he was just a massive, he was our middle linebacker coach. He was my freshman head coach. And uh, he would, uh, we would have to get on this and that would be him on the back. Uh, and he would be constantly uh, saying words, certain words that I won't repeat, uh, but he'd be saying some words for us. Uh, and every now and then he would um, test somebody who usually had that general shirt on or who thought they were really strong or like self-confident. And he'd call that person out and say, I just want you alone to come, to come up to the bag and push me down the field. And again, you got that young kid, it's like, all right, challenge accepted, I'm gonna do this. And they would get behind it and they would try to push Bruno across the field and they, he'd, he'd constantly say, move in your feet, move your feet, don't stop your feet, move your feet. But every single time, the bag and the sled went nowhere. And the guy looked ridiculous. We were all clowning him from a distance. Try harder, keep, keep going. I know your calves are cramping up. Don't be a girl, keep on going. And all the girls were like, don't you ever say that again. I, I won't say that again. I don't know why it just came out. But don't do it. I take it back. Forgive me. But here's the point, is that that guy alone couldn't do it. And no matter who you would put up there, just to go back to even that comment, to the gender, how strong you are, no matter who you put up there, you got more people against the bag. The burden is doable. Bruno is actually pushable. There's movement. Church, we're a team. We're linking arms together. Broken, resting in Jesus, knowing that he is our burden lifter. And so we come alongside people to shoulder the burden, to be with them, and to simply be broken. There's this temptation when we're faced with other people's burdens to have all the right answers or to start talking let me encourage you as you enter into that sacred, broken place just to simply be and to be present with other people in their heart and listen because it's in our listening we're actually able to extend the grace and goodness of Jesus to where people are at and not where we think they should be or we're so caught up in our own agenda and what we're gonna say. We actually meet them where they are. Because our security is not in the quote unquote counsel that we give, but our security is in Jesus and the good news. And because our security is in that and we rest in that, that's what comes out. 
that we would simply be with people and listen and not hand out prescriptions or pills that sound a lot like, well, just pray more. Just do more. Or maybe you should just go to church or maybe you should be reading your Bible or hey, here's a really good sermon that I listened to or here's a, 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 a good book or a good article, which all those things are good and they're super helpful. But in that moment when that person is hurting, they don't need a list of things to do. They need a person to be with. So Paul's inviting us as we bear one of those burdens that we would simply be because true biblical community happens when both parties are broken with each other while looking to Jesus who was broken and given to make us whole. That's why when we celebrate communion, which we don't have today, but when we do, we read out of the text that Jesus broke the bread and he gave it and then he gave thanks. Because in this community of true community, both parties are broken and given for one another and thanks that Jesus is present. In this past week, I, I mean, I've been so burdened for our community. I've been so burdened for our church. I've been so burdened for attack poverty. I've been burdened for Brandon. I've been burdened for Ambriella. I've been, I've been burdened for the Logan family. Uh, it's been so heavy at times where I, I um, it was hard, it was just hard to read. And it couldn't be more timely for us to be in Galatians 6. I mean, this, we couldn't plan this. I mean, the, the Lord just had us there to be, be come across these words that we would bear one another's burdens and we'd simply be. And as I thought about a verse, when I was, when I was speechless, I knew that I would, have to, I would have to be doing some speaking. And the only thing that I could get out was, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed. He is present and he is near. How can he save? He saves because Jesus himself was crushed. Jesus himself was broken to make us whole and to put us together. It's in the midst of confusion and despair and fear and in the darkness, Jesus is more closer than ever. And as I was going through my Bible reading plan, I stumbled across Exodus chapter 20 where the people stood from afar and Moses, just after God gave the law, and the people are standing from afar and it says that Moses went before the Lord into a thick darkness. And then God moved even closer when he put on flesh and came, he came after us to those who dwell in darkness to give us light. Church, what are you burdened by this morning? As he draws close, he's asking us, what are you burdened by? Is it physical pain? Is it an ailment? Is it a family crisis or a tragedy like we're experiencing this past week? Is it lack of employment or is it oppression in the employment? Is it a mental disorder? Is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it a spiritual attack? Is the enemy just whispering lies at you that feels like he's shouting at you? Jesus, our burden lifter, says to us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Will you trust him, church? Will you cast your burdens on him? And will you also be so bold to ask for help when you need help. Because the church is, we're, we're not called to 
to pursue Jesus in isolation. There are things in your life that are not meant to be carried alone. In our flesh, this self-reliance, this self-confidence, there's this tendency to think, I got this. Like, I'm good. I'll just continue to go on as normal. But that's not a sign of courage. That's actually a big statement of pride. That's why Paul says in verse three, for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, hello, if anyone thinks he's something, Paul don't play, like he knows, he knows our tendency to dwell on self and be self-confident. When he says, man, you think you're something, you're nothing, because he who does that is actually in deception. To not let trusted people in to your life, that God has put in your life is to walk in deception, not strength. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to those who are humble. So not only are we called to bear the burden, which I think is, is, is easier in, com, in comparison to actually asking for help. Because everything in us and our pride says, no, I'm good. But God, it says in his word that God actually opposes the proud but gives grace to those who are humble. Will you allow other trusted people, church, to shoulder the burden so you could be restored in the presence of Jesus and among the presence of his people. And then what steps will you take to do so? Our neighborhood groups are a great start. For some of us we're meeting on Sunday, I would, I would take that and let me encourage you as you leave here, as you walk by the spirit and keep in step with the spirit, that that is a good environment of safe and trusted people. If you're visiting us, that's maybe a new environment for you, take your time. As you take time, God has provided these environments of growth groups for us to be restored to that which what God has for us. Not only are we to bear the burden of restoring, not only are we to bear the burden of others, but we're also called to bear our own load. Look at me in verse four. But each one test his own work, examine it, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Wait a second, Paul, this is kind of confusing. You tell us to bear the burdens of one another, but then you say, hey, second, like for each has his own burden to, 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 to hold or to, to, that he's taking care of, that he actually has like this word, it, it paints a picture of a knapsack or a backpack. So yes, we're to bear the burdens of other people, but we're also to take personal responsibility for our own loads. I have some land um, out in uh, Longmeadow Farms. It sounds like I have like a lot of acreage out there. I, just a little plot of land right there. And I have a, a fence and it keeps boundaries from myself and, and my neighbors. Uh, and I'm, I, as a homeowner, I'm responsible for certain things in my home. Right? If my, I'm not gonna look to you to mow my grass. Right? I, I'm gonna keep up with my own grass. I'm gonna try to keep up with my ginormous flower bed that goes at some time where there's not some work in there, like that I'm responsible to cultivate those things. That this, this, is, this is my load. For you to come on my property would be trespassing. That's why we have fences, and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. But then there's things like Harvey that happen, where destruction comes and floods happen. And now my load has now become a burden. Now I'm bleeding out. And I need your help. So what's the difference between a burden and a load? A burden is things that we cannot control. Our load is what we can control. What we are responsible for. 
And as I walk around my neighborhood, if I could explain like what verse four is kind of talking about, as I walk around my neighborhood, I have a, the tendency to compare my yard to other people's yard. I walk around, I'm like, oh man, they got a good looking yard. Their flower bed's looking really good. They got some colorful flowers out there. Man, I need to do some work on my yard, but I don't. So I keep on walking. <laughs> now look, and then I find some like happiness when I see a yard that like looking a little shabby. Because I know my yard doesn't look as bad as that yard. Because what's going on here in the church is that as, they bear, as they're bearing their load, they're looking at other people's property and their walk with the Lord and they're saying, yeah, I'm better than that. Church, when conceit hits the heart, it produces comparison. And comparison produces competition. We're not in competition with one another. We are called to cooperate with one another, to support one another, because our pride loves to see people fall when we have stood. That's a quote from John Piper. He calls us to test, test this work. Test what's going on in your heart. We honestly examine our souls in light of the standard of Jesus. When we're the standard, it produces not... Uh, when we're the standard, it produces pride, but when Jesus is the standard, it produces confession and humility. Because when we're at the center of our preferences our, and we're ruling our own kingdom, we're actually putting loads on people rather than freeing people up. And then there's this verse in verse six that says that let the one who's taught the word share all the good things with the one who teaches. So I thought it was interesting, like this, this right there sandwiched in this passage is this verse to, to not forget the teachers because I think they were concerned with their own load and judging people that they forgot the ones that are teaching the word. And they're standing before the people and they're, 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 they're giving people truths, which goes to say that Paul values the word of God. He values the teaching of God's word because in the teaching of God's word, our affections and our worship is stirred. Notice it says, share all good things with the one who teaches and not heap burdens of complaints on the one who teaches. Paul knows the weight of shepherding and teaching. He says to us to do everything we can to make the load lighter for them and to share all the good things so they can speed up, sorry, so they can be freed up to seek the Lord in prayer and in study. And if you're visiting us this morning, I'm not the guy that's up here a lot of times. And so I just want to take a, a moment and just say thank you for what you do, Lance. Thank you for pastoring us. Thank you for saying challenging things. You loving this, aren't you? Mm, loving it. Your That's right. <laughs> but I got the microphone. I may not be asked to speak. That's all right. I'll go down on this one. It's fine. But hey, man. We appreciate you. We appreciate your unwavering devotion and conviction to the word on stage and off the stage. Your wisdom in all spheres of life to preaching, to leadership, to shepherding, to encouraging, and to confronting sharpens us and pushes us to be more like Jesus. There's something about uh, uh, some confusing times and Lance Williams is a guy who's gonna step in and bring some clarity. And so I'm better for it, bro. And we're better for it. And so I just want to say thank you. I don't got any money for you. All the good things. <laughs> I just want to say thanks um, for what you do. In church, I want to close with this. My last point is, uh, is don't give up. 
there's this weight of good, of leading, and whatever capacity that we're leading. And Paul says, don't let us grow weary of doing good, for in due season, because there will be a season we will reap. And this season is when Jesus comes back a second time to restore all things, that which is broken, to every tear that is shed will be wiped away. There will be no more death, there will be no more sin. He is coming to make things right. He's making all things new now, but one day all things will truly be new and complete and we will be with him. If we forget the second coming of Jesus, we will grow weary, disheartened, and confused and burn out. Church, we have a slogan here. It's called for Jesus and for good. Don't get so caught up in doing for Jesus and for good that you forfeit your soul in the midst of it. We're called to be with Jesus, with him, for him and for his good. To be with him, because if we get caught up in doing for Jesus without being with Jesus, we will lose ourselves, and we'll be burnt, and we'll be frustrated, and we'll be angry. We can get after it doing for the kingdom and yet lose our soul in the pursuit of good. That's why Jesus said, what would it be to gain the whole world? What would it be for you to do all the things. That's what's hard is to embrace our limits. That's why Paul says, as we have the opportunity to embrace our limits and trust the one who is limitless and can do far more abundantly than what we could even dream. Because if we do for Jesus without being with Jesus, we'll constantly be hitting the coldness of people without experiencing the warmth of his love. So as we experience the warmth of this love, that's what happened to the, the church of Ephesus in Revelation 2. They got so caught up in doing all the good things. And in your reading in Revelation 2, you're like, man, the church has got it. They got all the things that they're doing. And they, man, they're doing some kingdom work. And Paul gets, or, or sorry, uh, Jesus, Jesus says in Revelation, but this I have against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Church, do you love Jesus more now than ever before? Do you remember when the love of Jesus came and found you? and you believed him and trusted him? Do you, do you remember beginning to read his word with conviction and freedom? Do you remember singing worship songs and there was things coming out of you and responses that were coming out of you that just weren't you? You were so overwhelmed with his goodness. You actually maybe even swayed a little bit and you're not the kind of swaying kind of guy, but you, got, you started swaying because of the overwhelming goodness of Jesus. Do you remember sharing with others the gospel with urgency? And do you remember being in that dark night and how Jesus consoled you and comforted you and sustained you? He who has been faithful in the past will always be faithful. He is our sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, especially in these unknown waters. So fear not. Our God is with us. Be not dismayed, for he is our God. I he will strengthen us and he will help us and he will uphold us with his righteous right hand. The weight of doing good is lighter because our burden lifter has taken this weight upon himself and he upholds us by his righteous right hand, giving us hope, giving us hope, church, when we're faced with the burden of one restoring others, bearing the burden of others and bearing our own load and giving us the strength to not give up. Let me pray. Lord, there may be some of us this morning who are talking about burdens and we're doing some soul searching and 
There's some, there may be some question marks or some confusion. And God, would you send your spirit to reveal the things that need to be revealed? Those things that are maybe being pushed down that we didn't identify. God, would you reveal those things? Would you put the light on it? And then when the light comes on it, let us be people not in condemnation, God, but let us be people that are freed up because we've already been accepted in you based upon what you have done. And God, would you give us the boldness in the risk? Oh, it's risky to ask for help. But God, anything apart from you and the bride is left to decay. And so we wanna abide in you. We wanna abide in this body. We want love truly to be genuine and truly to be real. Oh man, but we need your strength and we need your power. We don't have to fear God because you're with us. And because you're with us, you give us strength and you uphold us when we feel like we're falling over. God, thanks for being present and near to the crushed and the broken. Because Jesus, you were crushed and broken. That's why you're close. Therefore, let us be broken and given to one another. We love you, Jesus. It's your name I pray. Amen.